What is up, everybody? I am Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Hit that thumbs up for me if you're listening on YouTube and subscribe wherever you get the show. We've got a great one for you in about roughly 10 minutes. We've got Ann Sanfilippo coming on to talk about the Flyers. And at 1230, we have uh, former Temple Al, current Carolina Panther tight end. Colin Thompson coming on to talk about the combine, his favorite memories of Hassan Reddick, the report card that the NFL Players Association just released. He'll uh, go over the team facilities and everything else that was interesting with us. But first, let's bring on Kevin Kincaid because we have to talk about tweeting and deleting of Eagles players' tweets because it is, I don't know, is it becoming an issue? What's up, B-Rab? What's up? I'm not going to talk about Flyers first. Oh, I guess Anthony's coming on. To talk no, about Anthony's it. coming on 10 minutes. We'll talk about Flyers. We'll, we'll get all the Flyers out we can. I think we have to talk about something that broke late last night. Everyone already saw the C.J. Gardner-Johnson tweet being, you know, critical of uh, of Jonathan Gannon. Uh, I think that was kind of funny that he tweeted that it he, uh, he didn't put them in position to make plays in the Super Bowl. I don't know if he meant the whole season because C.J. Gardner-Johnson had his best career under Jonathan Gannon, a career year under Jonathan Gannon, which was kind of funny. But uh, if you haven't seen it yet, the A.J. Brown one that most people might not have seen was Juju Smith-Schuster made a video on TikTok with this popular TikToker called Coach 30, who does a lot of, you know, reenacts a lot of film sessions and whatnot. Put James Bradbury in it, put Jalen Hurts in it, put A.J. Brown in it, basically just like crushed the Eagles. There was like some China component to it. And then like, I think he made fun of himself with like TikTok boy. It was just, have, have you watched the video, Kev? Have you seen it? Um, no, I got the gist of what was going on there, though. I mean, I don't need to hear. I, I don't I even need to know like the backstory to know that that's enough tweeting from AJ Brown for for at least now. <laughs> you know, maybe uh, maybe his agent gets to him and just says, "Hey, let's uh, stay away from this for a little bit. Maybe we'll go on vacation. Maybe we'll take a vacation for a little bit. It's summer in South America right now, so maybe go down there for a little bit." <clears throat> you know, AJ's been. Maybe he was just high on that Friday night. We was talking about the moon landing, you know. Maybe, maybe it was just uh, that just came out, whatever. But I, I don't yeah, he's anti moon landing. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't think the moon landing was real, and what what uh, wants to know why we don't go back there. I think we actually are going back there. I don't know if we have any NASA people in the uh, comments today, but uh, I think we're going back to the moon. Um, it's a a thing that's happening, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just I don't I don't like the I'm not like going to get all bent out of shape about the CJ Gardner Johnson thing, but it's like, I mean, you said it and people saved it and it exists out there. So it's just leave it up, man. I mean, if you believe it, then you believe it. And, and, um, you know, I think people would feel a lot more strongly about it if he just like owned it, you know, Hey, hey why do you think he didn't put you in position to, uh, to be successful? You know, why not explain it? I mean, cause you're going to come out and essentially rip a coach who's not here anymore. Um, you know, Plus, it shouldn't matter. I mean, like, if he if he was um, if his agent like texted him right away and said, "Yo, take that shit down," uh, it doesn't. I don't think it hurts his chance. I really don't think yeah. it would hurt his chances of re-signing with the Eagles or anybody in general. Gannon's not here anymore. No, so. I'm just thinking to myself, like, Howie Roseman's just trying to crush tape right now. He's just trying to crush tape. He's, Nick Sirianni's trying to crush some tape on two first-round picks that the Eagles got to get. And his yeah. phone's probably blowing up being like, hey, what the hell's going on with C.J. Garner-Johnson? Hey, what the hell's going on with A.J. Brown right now? Like, can we just can we just ra- relax a little bit on, on on the tweeting? Go to Cabo. Go, go like you said, go to South America. It's the summer yeah. down there. You got millions and millions of dollars. You, I, I, 
you know, this is easy for me to say, you know, talking from, you know, my office with with no wall art that's hung up. Yeah. But like if I had millions, if I had a hundred million dollars that was coming to me in the bank, what what is the point of social media other than, you know, release your release a brand deal, release a partnership with with, you know, the new cutters you have or the new Powerade or the new Gatorade or whatever and yeah. get the fuck off. Like you, you, you have so much money in the bank. That I don't understand, like why I would ever, I would never talk about the moon landing. Like, why yeah. would I? What would what would anyone care yeah. about my thoughts on the moon landing? Oh, I know, I know. I I guess I joke with my wife and other people. And I say, you know, if I didn't have this job and I didn't have to monitor, you know, like sports news or whatever, like the last place I would be is Twitter. You know, if I leave Crossing Broad and I'm doing another job, I'd probably never log on again. I was looking out my back door, <laughs> I was looking at my back window this morning, and there was a. Uh, there's a Cooper's hawk out there just sitting there like a big dude. He had like the striped tail and everything. I'm like, you know, if I didn't work in sports, I didn't have to be on Twitter. I would be like a park ranger or something. Yeah. I, I'd work for the uh, state like environment. I would I would get as far away from Twitter and from social media as as possible because it's just like what what is the what is the point of AJ Brown tweeting and deleting about the moon landing? What is the point of Kyrie? What was what did Kyrie say? He thinks the Jews are taking over the world or something like that. And yeah, then he, he tweeted out the link to that Amazon that was that, that Amazon movie that had like very uh, yeah yeah right C J Gardner Johnson and ripping yeah. his former coach and say that's enough tweeting and deleting for for a lifetime with these guys you know like if I if I, I would that's the last place I would be if I was them you know if I was a millionaire and I could go anywhere and do anything the last fucking place I would be is on Twitter. But you, you know? think about it. If you go the other way, 24 years old is uh, AJ Brown, 25. So he was born back in what 98. So I mean, this guy only knows the internet. So like, he's a digital native, right? He, yeah. he did grow up with that. That's and, true. You know, you get the high school and stuff. And what's big in high school now is like, you know, the team you play is like talking shit. You know, big games coming up, rivals coming up. Everyone's talking shit on Twitter. Everyone's yeah. talking shit on Instagram, TikTok, whatnot. So you kind of just become second nature to just go back at these guys or everything. Or but I. Why not just a nice little like whatever happened to the good subtweet, like a good subtweet, letting people know that you saw it. It's in the back of your mind. But you know what? We'll deal with it on the field, because right now, CJ Garner Johnson, AJ Brown, anybody on that Eagles team, they might not even be watching the free agency uh, signings from the Eagles. I think they're going to be watching where Juju Smith-Schuster is going. And it's a good chance the Eagles play him next year, whether he stays in Kansas City or he could follow Eric Bieniemy to Washington. So there's a good chance that CJ Gardner Johnson is going to see Juju over the middle next year and try to yeah. absolutely decapitate him. It does make me think like, I don't want to be the crotchety, like, you know, boomer kind of guy or whatever, no offense to boomers, but I don't want to be the guy who's like, well, you know, I think less of AJ Brown and CJ Gardner Johnson because they tweeted and deleted something, but it's like, it's obvious that you feel a certain way about that. Just because you deleted the tweet doesn't mean you like, don't feel that way about Jonathan Gannon or the moon landing or Kyrie thinking that the, Jewish cabal is going to take over the world or whatever that was all about. Right. So, so I don't, I don't, it's like, I would have like infinite respect for CJ Gardner Johnson. If he came out publicly and he said, you know what? I don't think Jonathan Gannon, Gannon put us in the right position to be successful. If I was on the beat, that's the first thing I would ask him the next time we got access to CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah. You deleted that, but obviously it's, you probably believe this, right? Explain why, you know? And then they would, uh, Oh, here's a cameo from Baxter. Hey, buddy. Um, Hi Baxter. You know, so I just that's the thing. It's like if you're gonna say it, just say it, man. I don't give a shit if you say it. I just I'm more annoyed with the fact that they like don't don't like 
I hate that phrase. Like just own it. But what's a better, what's a less corny way of saying own it? You know, I think that's what bothers me, you know, because it's obvious that you believe it just because you deleted it doesn't mean you don't believe it, you know? Um, and I think this happens a lot. I think, I think, I think sometimes we can be naive and be like, Hey, you know, they went to the zero. Well, every, everything's sunshine and roses there. Everyone loves everybody. But like, I would say, you know, playing youth sports, playing high school sports, playing college sports and pro sports. A lot of times you bond over hating your coach. Like nobody loves the coach or nobody right. loves their offense yeah. coordinator, their defense coordinator, their linebackers coach or anything. You bond over the hatred that you have to, you know, go to this, go to this practice after a, a rough loss and you got to go do suicides or you got to go do up downs or whatnot. So it's like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's like, I, I, I think probably 70% of, of, of players in the NFL feel like the way CJ Garner Johnson feels. Um, yeah. Speaking yeah. of cabals, We've got uh we've got a guy who has been speaking out against one cabal, one cabal in Philadelphia, and that is Anthony San Filippo. Can we get him on right now? Ant San Filippo. Uh buddy, we got fifteen minutes with you. We got twenty minutes with you. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start the Xfinity blackouts? Do you want to start out the Chuck Fletcher no plan? Do you want to start with the trade deadline? Well, no, hey, we show. We can go anywhere you want, man. I mean, the, so I, I, you know, the Xfinity blackout is is just a quick. I, I think is quick. It's it's an embarrassment that it happened. Um, it, it apparently was a technical issue that they put out a statement today. Um, <laughs> that's because everybody was speculating: is this a TNT problem? Because they have the blackout thing, you know, and it, it was happening with other cable uh, networks as well. And is it a league problem? But. The, the the Comcast put out a statement today that they were alerted to it and that their technicians were working furiously to get it fixed and got it fixed by the third period. So if that's the case, They're just in time to see the Flyers lose in overtime, right? Right. If that's the case, then uh, yeah, then it's then to me that's on that's on Xfinity, right? I mean, so, if they're putting out, if they're putting this out, they're not saying that it was something that was that they had to work out with TNT or that it was the league had to figure out. It was they're saying in that statement that they their technicians began to or their engineers began to resolve it, right? So here's where I think this is total bullshit, this statement. And I'll read the statement for people. Uh, it's from Dave Uram. Uh, Due to a technical issue, customers in the greater Philadelphia area, not just greater Philadelphia area, I turned it on at one point. It was on mine too. So Philadelphia uh, were unable to view the Flyers-Rangers game airing on TNT last night on TV. Our engineers were alerted to the issue and began working to resolve it immediately with programming restored for many customers by the third period. Customers are able to access the programming via Watch TNT app. We apologize to our customers as we know how frustrating this can be. The reason why I think this is bullshit, and, and Craig, if we can pull up the picture you just put up of that person's uh, TV, on the channel, it says it's not coming up due to contractual requirements. If, if it's a technical issue, your screen would be just black. That's every technical issue I've ever had with Xfinity. Well, the one thing the one thing I will say is is that this screen that you're looking at right now, right? That if, if anybody's watching it on YouTube, um, I that I think that's just an automatic that comes up when the when the blackout is is in place, right? And so if you have, it could just be a technical issue that it came, you know, what, that the blackout thing was not lifted because what I, I don't think what people I don't think understand is. Sometimes there are games that are on these national networks, but they are also broadcast by the RSN, right? Regional Sports yeah. Network. So in that case, NBC Sports Philly. 
And so in those instances, you cannot watch the national feed. You have to watch the local feed, right? Because they have they they are the rights holder to the to the actual game. Um, so what ends up happening is is that when you try to turn on in this instance TNT, this automatically pops up what you're seeing. Well, there was no other broadcast last night. It was the national game. Mm-hmm. It was the only place to watch it on TNT. And so what some the technical issue could have been that they never switched that off, right? And I don't know if the, I don't know how crazy the programming is for television. I'm not a I'm not a back end technical guy, right? So the fact that it took until the third period is is crazy to me. Like I think it shouldn't be shouldn't it just be going there and push a button and then it all comes back on again. I I don't know. Um, yeah, you just got to turn it off and then turn it back on. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. That's what they tell oh, you. Yeah, all when the you time. call, yeah, when you call Xfinity, it's like <laughs> my TV's not working. Well, yeah. did you tighten the wire? Yeah, I did, dude. Uh, yeah. Trust me, I wouldn't be sitting on this line for 15 minutes if I didn't tighten the wire. Imagine like the chief engineer at Xfinity, like just checking the wires, just yeah. to make sure they're plugged yeah. in. I'll just uh, turn the computer off and then turn it back on. Well, so here's so so here's the thing that's the that's the kicker in all this, right? So the Flyers have had a bad year. They've had a bad week. the 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 general manager's embattled. He comes out and says some dumb shit uh, on Tuesday. Uh, the trade deadline's coming up. Everybody's you know pissed off at them. All the fans are pissed off at them. They play the Rangers in front of a house full of Rangers fans. So, I mean, that was 65% Ranger fans last night in the building. Um, and the Flyers come out and actually played a pretty good hockey game, mm-hmm. and nobody could see it. <laughs> no, yeah. no one could see it. And so, so yeah. that's – I mean, it's just – it's Murphy's Law, man. Like, everything that can go wrong around this franchise right now, it does. I mean, look Craig at the reaction, just, man. Yeah, Craig just pulled up this man. video of, of Rangers fans in the lower bowl going nuts. I think that was the overtime goal. That was the game-winning uh, goal, yeah. Right, that was the game-winning yeah. goal. I mean, yeah. it is, it is like you said, 65% blue. And, like, you see this this big old Rangers fan right here. He's just mocking this Flyers fan walking out of the arena as uh, as it pans back over to him. Is this the worst you've ever seen in it? Ever. And I said that early. When the Rangers scored that first goal um, in the uh, – in the first period, they got a power play goal pretty quick into the game. Uh, the the eruption then was unbelievable with Rangers, and they were doing the the uh, Madison Square Garden cheer where they do the big whistle and it goes you know dun, 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 and then they and at the end they go um, uh, uh, Flyers suck or you know uh, the Islanders blow Devils blow whatever whoever they wanted I mean they yeah. ripped the other three teams in the area um, and you know then they were booing Tony D'Angelo. Right, because he used to play in New York. Right, so yeah. every time he touched the puck, they were booing. Boo Hayes? They did not boo Hayes. They did not boo Hayes. They just, but TDA, they oh, did. Okay. Um, and, and so therefore, it's like, and I put the tweet out right away. It was like, this was the, this is the worst I've ever seen it as far as visiting team in a Flyers building. Fans, as far as fans are concerned, unbelievable to me. Can you believe James Dolan is doing better? Than Comcast right now, James Dolan. <laughs> well, look, they got a little lucky. Let's be honest; they, they had a couple of players who really wanted to play there that were free agents, even though the team wasn't good um, because it's New York City, and so they were able to sign there, and that kind of made them good quicker, right? Um, and uh, you know, you, you know, everybody says, "Well, oh, they they tore it down and got high end draft picks," yeah, but those guys are aren't like their best players, like Lafreniere and Kako. Those guys are, I mean, they're 
good players, but they're further down the lineup. I mean, their Panarin signing there was a was a big deal, right? And and uh, Fox becoming a, a Nars Trophy, you know, defenseman, um, you know, was a big deal. And uh, Truba wanting to sign there was a big deal. So you get all those guys coming in, and now you trade for Tarasenko, and now you trade for Patrick Kane. So yeah, of course, you know your teams, and you have the best goalie, one of the best goalies in hockey, and Shesterkin. You know those things don't just happen for teams. So the Rangers got a little bit lucky, um, but look, that this is by no means me trying to defend what's going on here, because what's going on here is an abject disaster, and the fact that it continues to happen and the same people continue to run it is the most mind-boggling organizational t- uh, mistake. Russ's term would be what organizational malpractice that he likes to use. Yeah. Uh, worst, worst I've ever seen to have to, to have this continue on for Jesus. five years now. Kev just took off his flyers hat. He's so yeah. much in disgust. Yeah, I was getting a little hot. <clears throat> I think my wife turned the heat um down, maybe to <laughs> maybe to save on like a five hundred dollar bill or whatever the hell it is. And I have Baxter yeah. on top of me. He's not exactly a lap dog. He's like forty pounds, so he kind of falls off me or whatever. I felt I felt for a minute there like the guy from the James Bond movies who holds the cat. He's like petting the cat while he's um. Anyway. Um, so an, I thought that was just Doctor Evil, but okay. No, no, he's 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 uh, the Doctor Evil from uh, Austin Powers is based on the James Bond villain who has right. the cat uh, Blofeld, Ernst Blofeld, or something. Yeah, um, Anthony, I've never like I, I thought it was like crazy because like it, it really wasn't that long ago that we did the Flyers Stepford thing. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, even like even. Last year and the year before, I mean, to go from like the Stepford fans stereotype to like now Rangers are taking over the place. The only thing that that when I looked at that, the only experience I think I've ever had like that um, was I think I went, I think me and my dad went down to a Sixers game during the process era. I think when Lynn Sanity was like at its height. And so and the Knicks fans and, came down. But I mean, like everybody knew what the Sixers were doing back then. I like I never thought like I'd see that with the Flyers, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, we saw with the Mets and the Phillies this year, but the difference between each team, obviously, each organization and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Look, you know the New York fans are going to come down no matter yeah. what, right? I mean, yeah. Yankees, when the Phillies get that Yankee series every once in a while, the Yankees fans come yeah. down, right? And and it's and look, it's more pervasive now because of the availability of um, of tickets online which, you know, back in the day wasn't a thing. Like you either had to buy them from the team or you had to buy them from a scalper outside. And that was it. You didn't have this, this you know, ability to resell tickets. So, of course, more visiting fans are going to be there. But I have never seen a building that, that one-sided on the road. I, in any, in really, in, in, in any hockey arena I've ever been, really in, in I, you know, the Mets fans in, the, in Philly, when the Phillies were really good, going down to Washington back in the in the early you know attitude, yeah, the yeah, attitude that, era, the yeah. 07 to twelve, right when yeah. that era that the Phillies used to take over that ballpark. Even those were not as not, last night was. I was just blown away by how it was like Madison Square Garden is really what it was like in there last night. It was crazy. What's what's going on? Like because I think you know, obviously, I've admitted this. I keep uh, the. The Flyers are at arm's length. I'm a big uh, April, May, June guy. Get me in. I'm, I'm a pink cat fan for the Flyers and stuff. I watch the playoffs, cheer hard like I've been cheering all year. Um, I th- but I think if you asked a lot of Flyers fans, they think Chuck would be would be gone by now. Um, and it seems like that guy. It doesn't seem like he's he's going anywhere. 
Uh, is, is there a chance he goes? Does he have any – is there a plan in place? Does it feel like there's a plan in place? Like what is going on, Ant? That's the thing, and that, that's a gr- the even greater question. Look, deep down, I was told back in in the, the fall that Chuck wasn't going to make it past – or early to mid January, like they, you know, after the uh, World Junior Championships and um, and all those tournaments where the kids are playing and you send your guys out for scouting and stuff, like that was going to be his. That was going to be it for him, and he's made it an extra couple months now. Why he, is that? I I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, it's got, I really think it's it's tied into what I wrote a few weeks ago. The fact that there are too many. Uh, long-time flyers who have enough gravitas to to convince Dave Scott to keep things the way they are. That that said, deep down, I still firmly believe he will not be in charge of this team for the draft and for free agency in the summer. I, like there is part of me, and for the when I keep conversations, I keep having, I keep saying they're not going to let him get past this year. Like I think it's going to happen as soon as the season's over, that the, that he'll be fired. That Kid- said, I can't say it with 100% certainty. I, it's just no more because the, these guys have so much control. And it's not even really Clark and Holmgren as much as a lot of people like to think it is. Those guys are involved, sure, and they have a lot of say in, in, in these kinds of decisions. The guy that it's that – it's, and this, no one's said this. I haven't really written it. Bill Barber. And that's because Bill Barber was hired as Dave Scott's personal um, hockey tutor, for lack of a better term, right? I mean, he's he's the guy who is teaching Dave Scott hockey and, and the idea of how to run a hockey team is Bill Barber. Everything is running through Bill Barber. And what's Bill Barber's track record of being a good hockey executive? He has none. He was a coach here. It was a scout, scouting, scouting director first, coach second. He had one good year as a coach. Then he got, then he got canned. Goes to Tampa, works in their front office when they sucked, right? And then he gets fired there. He's out of hockey for the longest time, and then he gets brought back by Clark, who's just kind of like you know a pro scout, and you know, oh, he's that way he can be around the team and have a job, you know, one of those old patronage kind of deals. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's got a, he's got more power than anybody. And I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Is can I spin the spins it in this a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Try my best. Yeah. Is it kind of good that the Flyers are so incompetent and they're so bad lately, and everyone's seeing this firsthand? Because you did have that Flyers contingent of fans that were always wearing their orange and black colored goggles, and they were like, "This team can do no wrong." Uh, you know, Paul Holmgren gets fired. He gets elevated to a position higher. You know, just this this old boys club, for lack of a better word, a Flyers organization, so, guys. Like, so is that I'm, kind of good? No, well, see, I, I kind of fall in the middle here, right? And and then the reason I do is because I always felt that narrative was misguided. Okay. Because as we saw in football, as we saw in baseball, as we saw in soccer, just in the past six months, it's not easy to win. A championship you have to have luck go your way to you could be the best at what you do and if something goes wrong for one minute of one game you can lose right so it's so you do need no matter how good you are you do need luck on your side a little bit too so therefore it's not easy to win that championship it's not easy to go back after you've been there 
the the thing of it was is the Flyers were at least through 2012, let's say, were very competitive every year. They were in the mix. They were in the conversation. Yeah, they didn't come. They didn't get there. They didn't win it, right? And and ultimately, that's the the goal. You want to win the championship. But do you, would you rather this, or would you rather? If you had to choose, say, all right, we're not going to win a championship, but we would we rather be sucky, awful, terrible all the time, or would we rather be in the conversation and maybe get close to the championship all the time? Like at least the runs back then were good, right? Yeah. So, so, in, so in that sense, to sit there and say that you know, oh well, that you know, that's because these guys were in charge. I disagree. I think that those guys did good enough jobs. They weren't the greatest, but they weren't terrible. This is terrible. That's the difference. This is a guy, general manager, who has zero track record of success anywhere he's been, who has never been good at his job, who made a bad team worse in five years. I don't know. And he keep, and he's keeping his job. I don't get it. And I don't understand why it, it continues to prevail that way. One question, Kev, before you start. Would they, will they clean house? Like, will they clean like the old school Flyers guys? Or do these guys have like, Lifetime contracts. They should, but they. I don't think they will. If they do, I will be. I will be stunned, but happy. Not that, and that's not a knock because I have good relationships with Paul Holmgren and Bob Clark, and I think that they were great at what they did, or really good at what they did for a long time. But it, the game has passed them, and they're not in there making decisions on players. I don't want anybody to really think that that's still what's happening. It's not, but they do advise Dave Scott from a big picture of the franchise kind of perspective. And so that's the thing, right? So they're, they're not, they're the ones who are sitting there saying to Dave, Oh yeah, Chuck's doing fine. You know, give him a break. He, if this happened or if this, if this would have happened, if this would have happened, then things would be a lot different. That kind of attitude, that kind of mentality has got to go. And that's where they're wrong. Um, but yes, they're not, they're not sitting there telling you what players to trade for, which players to draft, but at the same time, they're, they're advising um, Dave Scott to keep Chuck Fletcher here, and it's hurting the franchise. And that's th- so. In that sense, they got to go too. Sorry if I crapped out. Xfinity shit the bed. Shocker. Oh no, you're you're all good. Um, trade deadlines tomorrow, three o'clock. I guess. I think yep. there are reports that JVR was out on the ice today, Thursday. Um, what should they do, and what do you think they'll do? Yeah, they're not going to do a lot. I think they're just going to move. Uh, expiring contracts. I think James Van Reems, like for certain, will go. He may not get what they originally thought they were going to get for him because of all these other players that have moved. But I do think that that contract will be moved. Um, What's the return for JVR? Like a third rounder? Well, originally they wanted a third with a maybe a conditional second, depending on how far the team got. Yeah. It could become a second. Yeah. Now I think it might just be the third rounder and you settle for it or, you know, third rounder and maybe a marginal prospect of some kind but yeah i don't think you get much more than that um guys like you know patrick brown justin braun these are expiring contracts do they get you a fifth round pick sixth round pick maybe um there's interest in hayes there's interest in provorov um the flyers would have to retain salary for hayes um and retain a lot i mean you're talking probably a third of that contract at minimum um, so you're talking about 2.8 million roughly uh, over the next three years. That's a lot of money. That's just dead money against your cap. Um, and uh, Provorov, I think you got. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't move him right now. I think that you wait till the summer when there's more in, more teams that could get involved. You can get something for him. So I don't think those guys are going to go. I think that you're just going to get 
the marginal guys to, to be traded at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, <clears throat> what, what do you get for Provy anyway? Like a first rounder and a pride flag coming back, you know? <laughs> no, I was just, just going to say like, um, they did the Isaac Radcliffe thing. And like, I did the joke, like shit post or whatever, you know, yeah. but like, um, you know, the reality of the situation is like I didn't because I did that story about the 2017 draft because everybody talks about the Nolan Patrick thing, you know, but they took Isaac Ratcliffe like four uh, ahead of like Jason Robertson, you know, at which but I totally forgot that they traded like three um, picks to get to, to get him. Picks to get to go up and get there. So what, what yeah. like, can you give me some background on that? I mean, like, obviously, Robertson was like a second round guy. So did everybody just kind of whiff, whiff on him? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, sometimes guys like that, you can't, you know, it's easy to play that game, Kevin, right? Where you say, well, they could have drafted this guy instead five well, years all later, 32, 10 years All later, 32 right? teams missed on this guy. Right, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, second round players are usually guys that have NHL talent, but they have some weakness that you think could hold them back whether yeah. it's they're not they're not great skaters um they they're they're small and they don't they might get beat up a bit you know playing at the pro level um you know just you know they, they don't have great passing skills or they don't catch the puck well whatever it is they all have some kind of deficiency that you hope you can work on and make them better and and, and make them a productive NHL player so Robertson was one of those guys just like Ratcliffe was one of those guys the difference is is Robertson was able to overcome whatever his perceived weaknesses yeah. were and i'm not 100 sure what they were coming in I, I didn't go back and look but isaac ratcliffe could not he was slow he was plotting um really just you know not a great skater yeah. And, yeah. and when he came up in, at the nhl level just didn't show any ability to finish even though it was only 10 games like there was nothing there that really kind of stuck out to them and he had a terrible year this year in the ahl and it's like i've right, got to move on from that and, and and so yeah that was a Again, there's Hextall, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's the impact of Hextall. Those drafts, you go back and look at his drafts, you cannot miss as much as he missed in the first and second round for five years. I just think that, it's funny how – Yeah, I just think it's funny how the Flyers end up completely whiffing on that, and Dallas got, like, two guys who have contributed, like, 110 points or something. <laughs> it's just – I don't know. I guess that's just the nature of uh, – so again, I mean, and just to remind everyone, this that was a year where Hextall didn't trust his scouts and went rogue and was picking players on his own. Yeah. And the scouts were pissed off, right? I mean, everybody wants to say, the "Oh, Kale, the Kale McCarr thing," and all. Well, that. they want to say Kale McCarr. So let's let's just be just to clear it up. Heiskanen was Heiskanen was the guy that the yeah. scouts were were pushing. Okay. There were a couple of scouts who liked McCarr better, but for the most part, the majority of the Flyers scouts liked Miro Heiskanen, and. Hextall went and just ignored them and drafted Nolan Patrick. And obviously McCarr is better than Heiskin, but Heiskin is still a really good defenseman, right? In this league, he would have been an anchor on that blue line. And then in the second round, they, you know, he trades three picks to go get Isaac Ratcliffe. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, and that's, it's a total yeah. whiff, yeah. right? So yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's just, I think that, he it's Clark's not Bob Clark when he went on that podcast and Cam and Strick down in St. Louis uh, last year and said that Hextall set the team back uh, almost a decade. He's not wrong with that, but that doesn't necessarily mean Chuck Fletcher had to make it set them back another five years beyond that. Right. I mean, it's and that's what he's done. And so it's back to back bad general managers and the Flyers have a really long road to come out of this. All right, and before you go, we got 20 more games left. They're 11 points above Columbus. What are our Bedard chances? 
So what you got to try and hope for, you're not going to fall down as far as Columbus, right? I, it's just not going to happen. But the Flyers do have one of the toughest schedules in the NHL the remain, remainder of the season. If you look at all their opponents, I think it's the third toughest schedule in the NHL remaining. Um, is you hope that you can get f- closer to like five, right? If you could get to the, like the fifth worst record in the league, then you have a shot. Then you have a shot to jump up because there's what a lot of people don't realize. The NHL's got two lotteries in a sense. There's the lottery for the first pick, and then there's a lottery for the second pick, and then you get seated thereafter. So if you're five, you have two chances to move up, and if you don't move up, the furthest you can really fall is seven. So at five, your odds are a little bit better than where they're currently at. So if you get you know get to five and you have a chance at that point um, to get to get into the, you want to get into the top four. Obviously, Bedard's the best player of the of them of them all, but there are four generational type players in this draft, or believed to be generational type players in this draft. If you can get any one of the top four picks, you're happy. Cool. Breaking news: Jacob Voracek to the Coyotes. That's just you know what that is. That's uh, burying a contract is what that <laughs> so, is because Voracek's not going to play because of the. That's a lot of Coyotes beat writers about to get blocked. That's what that is. Add it to the block list for Jacob Voracek. <laughs> All three of the Coyotes beat writers. Yeah. Do they even have three? Yeah, oh, God. Probably not. Know. You know, they even have three uh, stalls in their uh, in, in their dressing room at the Arizona State. At the pre- yeah. do they even have a press box in that in that yeah. building? Five thousand one, one beat writer per five thousand seats at their stadium. <laughs> All right, Ant. Thanks for everything, man. Yep. We appreciate it. You got it, boys. Anytime. You got to do take take a load off, take a night off of talking about the Flyers. All right. Yeah. Thanks. I'll try. You deserve it for your health. All right. See you guys. I'll talk to you, buddy. Yeah. All right. And San right. Francisco. And San Francisco. Well, let's go right guest right into another guest. Look at Love us it. humming along right now, Kev. <laughs> We've got former, I always like to address him as former Temple Al. Yeah, here comes all the Temple stuff. Colin yeah. Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> now current Carolina Panther, former. <laughs> Archbishop Wood football player. Archbishop Wood, if people forgot, lost to Lansdale Catholic girls in the PCL championship. Shout out to Olivia Bacella hitting a game-winning three from Steph Curry range. Who can forget that masterpiece? Colin, first word, is Lansdale Catholic building a dynasty in the PCL girls basketball uh, league? First word is I'm not a Carolina Panther anymore, so ding on you. I'm a free agent. And second off, um, I'd love to be back there though. And then, uh, second <laughs> off, uh, if you're listening, um, Frank, second if you're off, listening. Uh, app, you know what? It is a triumph. What Lansdell Catholic did. I mean that really respectfully, like mm-hmm. Archbishop Wood women's basketball, yes. you can argue has a better program than Archbishop Wood men's football because wow. they, even though we have a bunch of guys in the NFL, College football littered. They've won mm-hmm. probably, <clears throat> I would say, I don't know if that's maybe aggressive, between five and 10 state championships. I know it's a big gap since I've been gone. Like yeah, they're, they're not, they're top 25 in the country every year, not just like in the area. So props to Lanto Catholic. There's probably like 10 kids in that school. The fact that they, half of them are girls and that was the starting <laughs> five and they won. It's props. True. This is all facts. We we it's a it's a school of two long hallways. There's yeah. not much. There's it's not a cool much of that place, Catholic. man. I hope they stick around, man. I really hope like these yeah. small little Catholic schools. You know, obviously, I'm I'm pretty heavily involved with at Wood. They're well, the Philadelphia Catholic League's an awesome place. 
I hope I hope they find a way to, to, to stick around. Like you see what the pleasure was about the other night. That's one of the oh, best tickets in the entire city, the of all the entire sports calendar. I think you could argue it, it's in a top 10 event in Philly when it comes to just like 100%. It's unbelievable. It's up there with probably going to an Eagles game. Uh, that's how I would view it. Oh, you're 100% right. Of the history and the tra- like tradition and like going to the city and like it's cool, I think the pleasure and everything oh it's the best i had to i had to call in like three different favors just to get tickets because i just shit the bed and didn't get tickets before the uh you just thought i'm kyle pagan crossing broad i'm gonna get <laughs> no it wasn't me it was a buddy of mine a buddy of mine got him shout I'm out to uh, catholic uh power forward they'll give me some tickets <laughs> yes. uh nine points a game uh all catholic <laughs> honorable mention obviously you knew that um but yeah but colin all right so wait free agent is there? Are you talking to some teams? I know, obviously, you said you want to go back to the Panthers and whatnot. Like, what's going on with the with the free agency right now? How's it feel? It feels horrible. I want to home. Yeah, I'm sure it does. You know, but you know, I'm okay with it. Like, it's been a part of my DNA of being a journeyman for a long time, and I've been blessed to be in Carolina for the last three seasons. Um, I was on the practice squad this year. I had a bunch of <clears throat> like nicks and knacks and injuries that just weren't going away. One kind of led to another, and it just kind of unraveled on me. Uh, end up being, you know, a successful year on the practice squad. I took it. I finished the last half of the season healthy, strong. And, uh, you know, we, our group was playing really well and kind of in front of our practice squad guys. And none of us were really cracking the lineup. This is kind of how it was. And we had a really kind of hot finish to the season there and the push to kind of keep Coach Wilkes around and that staff around because it really was a special thing. Um, I digress. But, uh, no, I mean, it's it's unique. So what happens is when people see these futures deals – because everyone's like, mm-hmm. what's a futures deal, right? Explain what that is. You see a lot like the Eagles in the, uh, lost in the Super Bowl. And then like the next day, it was like Eagles signed nine players to futures contracts. Mm-hmm. So what that is, you finish the year on the practice squad, you get cut automatically at the end of the year, all of us do. And then you're eligible for a futures contract, which is a minimum based off of where you're at in the league. So even though I'm a next year, I'll be a seventh year professional football player. I'll technically be only be a third year NFL player because I don't have the credited seasons. So I'll be a 29 year old vet, but on a third year money. So there's some advantage there to that over like maybe a seventh year tight end who has got paid every year and been credited every year where he's, he's outpriced himself. Now he says he's worth 2 million instead of I'm worth 800. So I'm explaining probably a little too much, but it's good to kind of hear people don't hear that a lot, the business side of it. And that's what those future deals are. So I'm waiting for a futures deal. We'll see. Could be a mini camp route. Uh, Could be something come out of the woodwork when one of these coaches get hired, fired. uh, That are my kind of connections that know me. So um, I'm cool and confident with it. And we'll see what happens. What's the what's the process like, man? I mean, can you be proactive from your end or is it a lot of just sort of sitting around waiting for your agent to get in contact? I'm assuming I'm the most proactive player in the league. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm just assuming that when it comes to it, because a lot of guys that are really good, right, like their play speaks for themselves. But for me, I'm not flashy. I'm consistent at what I do. And I know who I am. So like if I'm in a building and those coach and that coach gets fired, I'm really upset about it. But if they get hired someone else, it's a positive because they know me really well. So there's been a lot of turnover in Carolina. So I am constantly in contact with all those people, kind of seeing where I stand in the building. Um, the agents can help you all you want. But at the end of the day, like what's your tape like and who knows you as a good player? So like really what it comes down to on the 90-man roster is today there's a room of 25 people that picked the roster. Th- that between the last 
10 spots, say there's 20 guys and everyone raises their hand and says, okay, you want him? Tell me about it. Why? And if there's a lot of people raising hands for you, then that's a good thing. And that's what happened in Carolina because I got to Carolina as this guy out of the XFL who was a journeyman practice squad tight end before that, primarily known as a blocker and came in and moved better than people thought and really won over uh, the people that weren't a part of the coach rule temple tree, Baylor tree that knew me. So that's why I ended up staying in Carolina. You know, it is what it is, but people think that like rule put me on the team. He may have helped me get in the door, but like you got to win games and produce and have players that can do that. So it's kept me as the third and fourth tight end, sometimes the second tight end in Carolina. And they drafted some guys and had some players really develop and step into those roles. So we'll see what happens, but that's kind of a, you know, roundabout answer. Yes, I do stay in touch with everybody. Can you block Hassan Reddick because uh, 49ers might need a backup tight end? <sighs> I have blocked Hassan Reddick many a times. And Hassan yes, you have. And Hassan has beat me many of times. I've probably blocked the lesser form of Hassan at Temple uh, when he was like trying to gain weight and be an outside linebacker defensive end. And now he's one of the premier pass rushers, really premier. He can stop the run as well. He kind of gets that rap as well. Guys, you Sean Desai and Hassan is like a match made in heaven. It's so funny, like Eagles fans, and I'm going all over the place here. Like, is Sean Desai going to be a pressure guy? You know, Deshaun, is he going to bring pressure? Because it's like 6-1-0, 6-3-2. Are the Eagles going to blitz this week? It's like, come on, guys. Like, that's why I love coming on this show because I can just like rip all the. You're speaking our language, man. I'm like, yeah. stop. What do you mean pressure? They have the best D line in the NFL. You don't bring pressure. You can cover people down. Why do you think the DBs had a great year? So I don't know. I defend a lot of the coaches. It's on players at the end of the day, guys. Like, the miscommunication on that goal line there, like with the with the motion in and the motion back out against Kansas City, like they got them. Like, ugh, does that make the DC bad or those players bad? No, but like that's the NFL. Like, so whatever. I digress. No, you don't have to digress actually because I, I just that hate play. that. It's like you okay, was going to pressure Sean Desai. Like I'm like telling people how great of a guy he is and how like he like has like his masters from like four different places and is like one of the best Temple guy. Yeah, and one, one of the best human beings. I was with him in Chicago when Sean was like the f- lowest level defensive coach, and he mm-hmm. would like coach the scout team offense of what he wanted the, um, you know, scout team offense to look like. Say that Bears are playing the Eagles, which we did. I would like wear eighty six for Zach Ertz, <laughs> you know, and like mimic what he would do. And I know Zach. I watched Zach, so I'd run the kind of in cut goal line yeah. routes he would run, and like the guy yeah. is a win. What was the question he asked me? I went off about the side. No, Hassan Reddick. No, yeah, yeah. no, I can't. I'll say this about the Niners too. So Tyler Croft is a Downingtown East guy, the guy he beat. Oh, really? Yeah, but to me, like, that's a scheme thing. Downingtown East, Tyler Croft, and then Tyler went to Rutgers, had a nice career. He's a good tight end. He's a good veteran. Yeah. And everyone's, like, getting on the Niners for, like, putting Hassan one-on-one with him. Essentially what happens is they're supposed to sell the run. It's supposed to be a run sell and Hassan's supposed to come down and like try to cut off the run because he has the D gap as a responsibility in the run game. Well, Hassan just read out of it quick because yeah. he's a great pass rusher and he wants to get sacks. <laughs> so if that's Brandon Graham, Brandon Graham's in the D gap there and Brandon Graham doesn't make that sack. Doesn't make him a lesser player, but Brandon Graham probably is looking to go, like Hassan just reads out of it. So if you have Hassan Reddick there, you just got to go get him and botch the scheme but again if they run the ball there because Kittle's coming back to help 
if they run the ball there, the ball's up the gap and out because Hassan wouldn't have been in his gap. But Hassan's pretty smart, right out of it, got a tendency before the snap from the running back, the tackle, whatever it was. The tackles ran flat down the line instead of gaining to go cut off the backer. And Hassan ran out of it, made the play. So Tyler was done from jump street. I get it. I think on paper, everybody thinks like it's supposed to be like this little pass drop pocket, but Mm -hmm. it was run, sell left. Hassan's on the right. Tyler's one on one. Which, I mean, which is what Shanahan, which is what Shanahan said after the game. He said, "Every anytime we do, did he? Yeah, we, we run play action to to whatever. That's how the scheme is is drawn up, and then people can jump to their own conclusions from there." Yeah, like when you're gonna get on Shanahan, he's like the best call, play caller in the NFL. Oh, yeah, like, no, Andy I Reed. know. I mean, sometimes you just have to like, you know, it's funny because I I mentioned I think a couple episodes ago I was talking to a, a coach for one of the other teams, and he was just like. Sometimes good teams beat really good teams beat other really good teams, and sometimes individual wins. You know, a player beats another player, and it happens. Yeah, which is why I think it's funny because you mentioned that because I pulled up the I wanted to have Craig pull up the Kadarius Tony touchdown and and ask your opinion about that. But number one, just just generically with the defensive coordinators and whatnot, I think the thing that drives me crazy is that. I understand that Philadelphia sports fans are a certain way and they want to get to the quarterback and they want to hammer the quarterback and they want pressure and they want zero blitz. And they want like, you know, they love Buddy Ryan and they love Jim Johnson. So I love those guys just as much as anybody else. But my, my thing that I keep trying to say is like, those guys just don't exist anymore. It's that's just not what the NFL, like I agree with you. I would love to see the quarterback like laying on the ground after every play, but there's every, every team plays more zone than man. Yeah. Every team um, rushes for more than they send extra guys. And that's, that's just what the game has NFL changed. Yeah. The game has changed. The protection has changed. Backs running routes way better than ever has changed. Receivers, I mean, every team's got like four of them now, right? And two tight ends. And like, I mean, start with the Eagles. Start with the Niners. Like, they're like all-star teams. Start with the Chiefs. So, like, what do you want to do? Like, put – Everyone in cover zero and put some corner who can't grab, can't touch, can't be physical Yeah, against Tony, who's like literally untouchable since he went to Florida. You know, so I just, guys, it's, it's, it's a team game where everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everything. And that's why the product's just insane every week. It's just it's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Craig, yeah. if you have that, you can pull that up whenever and I'll talk. Okay. So, so here's the thing. This is the Kadarius Tony touchdown with the, you know, they fake the motion inside and then just that's a run. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing, they, all right, Craig, you can just pause it right there, or whatever. Like, so the Eagles drop the nickel back and then they replace the safety and the safety comes down and they rock and roll the safety over to the other side because they don't want to get beat on motion, right? I, I mean, I guess the alternative is what just to play press man and, and hold it there, Craig, you hold it there, oh, yeah. So you don't get picked um, or you don't run into traffic trying to follow the motion guy around because people are saying like, well, why don't they just play man to man here and get closer to him? I, I mean, I guess they could do that, certainly. But like they philosophically, are. I guess Gannon's thing is just like we don't want to get beat on the motion to the other side. So that's why they rotate the the nickel and have the safety come down. I mean, like when you look at this, like what do you what do you see there? Uh, here's what I see. <laughs> I see Patrick Mahomes looking out there and seeing if it's man to man. If it's not man-to-man, I wouldn't be shocked. He won't even send him in motion. They'll scrap the play, and he knows he's handing the ball off. Hmm. That's something that people don't even know. Yeah, He won't burn their red zone play call. Like Andy may say, hey, man-to-man here, press man-to-man. They're on the same level, which they are here. Send hmm. him in motion. Press man-to-man. Maybe they're on different levels. 
So the nickel may be off the ball and the outside guy may be on. They may signal a play, a rub play to make that work. The old, um, we call it swing, but the old, um, you know, Seattle Seahawks pick against uh, New England, that play. Yeah. Right? They called this corn cob. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Yeah. So my thing is, what I see here, guys, is an offense that's elite, a quarterback that's elite, and the gadgets he has to use and the OC that he has to use is elite. This is a run play. If you can go back to the top and all the way to the top, this is zone read with the with the with the with the tight end slicing back. See how the tight ends tight to the tackle, hit play here. It should restart it and then pause it right away. Uh, maybe it doesn't. We'll just run it until we get to the run. Essentially, this is zone read. That tight end's coming back. This is a run play, guys. So what do you want the defense to do? Mm. Play zone and cover everybody down and then run the ball against a six-man box. You can keep running it. So, like, my thing is, like, guys, this is just – this is the NFL football. That's why Nick Saban says, like, I used to not – I used to standard was 12 points a game. Now the standard of defense, we can let up, pause it, is, is I think 20 points a game he lets his defense allow that. So the tight end's close to the tackle there. He's off the ball, so he's coming back. The tackle, they're working – he's out. The center and tackle are working left. So they're outnumbered. The box is outnumbered here. They can't block everybody. Yeah. So they're going to flip it out there. So I know this is probably a longer breakdown than normal. Run the play here. And then pause it, right? He's about to hand it off when he puts the belly in the back. Hand it. Pause it. Yeah, yeah. So that, look at all the Eagles jerseys. You're not running the ball there. Yeah, yeah. So they're saying, hey, we got great corners. We're going to go one-on-one. We're going to communicate out of it. It's just poor communication. The DBs will say that, hey, we weren't ready for it. And I think the coaches would say we weren't ready for it. Like, does it make them bad players or not? They don't prep hard enough? No. No, it's, it's just it's, fact. And that's why it's like, that's why when I look back at this and I look back at 2017 too, and I, I, you know, you come to the realization that all four defensive coordinators in those games, they all gave up a ton of points. Jim Schwartz got cooked by Tom Brady. Uh, Matt Patricia got cooked by Nick Foles. You know, Patrick Mahomes cooked Jonathan Cannon in, in that defense. Spags gave up 35 points too. So it's not when I look back at it, I look at the Eagles in those two Super Bowls going up against two generational coach and quarterback combinations. And I'm not, I'm not like I like honest to God, I'm not surprised by that. That's why I didn't get all bent out of shape about it because I just was not surprised that Patrick. 632. <laughs> How do we blame the field? How do we blame the field uh, on that play? You know, everyone's blaming this guy and that guy and the turf manager. Here's the thing. If you're a head coach, and they all are probably good at this, but at some point, they all are. And you're an organization, general manager, equipment staff. Equipment guys tell you like three weeks in advance, hey, listen, in three weeks we're playing on grass. We play a lot of turf games. Eagles play a lot of grass games, right? It's, it's just natural because they're at home. But we play a lot of turf in Carolina. I think we had like two grass games a year. We're like, hey, listen, a couple weeks, we have a grass game. Start breaking in your in your screw-ins because I think you should wear the screw-ins. And then if you feel fine with your molded cleats before the game, then wear the molds. So that's how the conversation went down. Some coaches don't give you a choice. You're wearing screw-ins in this organization on grass. Some coaches say, wear what you're comfortable with. If you ball out, you ball out. Do you? So that's probably what happened. They went out there, they had warm-ups. Everything went great. A couple guys slipped. They switched their cleats. Completely normal deal. The grass, but listen, we're just looking for a scapegoat. That's all we want to put the sod father in jail. We're trying to run with their cleats, Colin. I mean, that's on the guys, man. I'm wearing cleats the size of this freaking cup if I'm slipping around. So, I mean, it's just is what it is. Like, did it cost you Super Bowl ring? Both teams played on the same surface. Well, I mean, you saw the slip stats, slip stats were very heavy 
I saw Hassan slipping a little bit early on some of his pass rushes, and, and the DN, the tackles land on top of him. Everyone's like, Hassan's getting pancaked. I'm like, Hassan never gets pancaked. Like, yeah, well, that's why he got Yeah, he got upset with Baldy because Baldy was uh, breaking down the offensive line play. And he was slow. Guys, guys take that to heart, man. man. Guys take yeah. that to heart. I'm sure, I'm sure you – you pancake someone, Colin. You're probably telling them for the next five plays. I I pancake you. Don't, don't remember. I pancake you, baby. <laughs> I, I I I don't speak don't unless speak? I'm playing really well. <laughs> <laughs> because the minute you speak, someone's gonna feed you your lunch and just do my job. Man. Maybe talk a little shit, but it's not like high school where you can just dominate people all the time and you're playing Lansdale Catholic. You 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 got to be <laughs> dialed in. What an absolute cheap shot! Yeah. Sorry, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, once LC starts dropping bags, like like Archbishop Wood starts dropping bags and getting the guys from you know Jenkintown and Cheltenham and Philadelphia and start bringing them in, yeah. then we'll start competing with the big boys. Well, Kyle can't. That's Kyle can't get through that one. He, he can't get through an episode without a mention of Lansdale Catholic or Temple or something. They have like 100 students. Uh, yeah, you should just keep out of where you came from, Kev. Not all of us yeah. can come from Lansdale. I got to balance it out. Who do I get? I'll have to get uh, James Devlin from Boyertown to come represent. Uh, I'll have to get Jimmy D to uh, to give get us some Berks County flavor on the on the show. You know? So, Colin, I was actually reading about you. I did a little bit of research for this. After your first touchdown, did you really call three different bars and buy a round of drinks for each bar? That's awesome. You know what? That, that, what they say about those Archbishop Wood guys, there are, I guess, uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. There's one good guy that's come out of Archbishop Wood. There's a couple of us. I, I'll say this. I, you know, I had a unique childhood, and my p- mom's like a retail fanatic. Uh, she owns the Fudge Kitchen now, which I people know for Jersey Shore folks. Um, she has three or four stores in Cape May, Peathers Village. She has like 10 stores. She has uh, one in Princeton, New Jersey, and continued continuing on she's plowing forward you'd think she's 35 um no retirement in sight so when my mom be working retail on saturdays and my dad worked monday to friday we get chores done around the house and on saturdays my dad would say hey let's go get lunch so he texts my uncle my cousins right my the, the, the all the kind of fun quote-unquote uncles that are just my dad's friends in my life and say hey let's let's go to lunch somewhere well it's usually your local upper bucks county bar cactus grill mesquite grill Plumsteadville Pub, uh, Plumsteadville Inn, whatever it was. Plumsteadville. <laughs> That's right. And we would go up there because my yeah. mom and my yeah. aunt would be working on Saturdays till dinner time, right? They're retail. Yeah. So I kind of grew up at a bar stool. Um, And I say that and people are like, whoa. But I really did. Like, I learned a lot. And I'm telling the roundabout version of the story because I think it adds to it. You know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons in life. And, you know, one of those was like just getting to know and becoming friends with a lot of, you know, local people in business that are, you know, the blue collar guys or whatever have you, the servers, the bartenders, the owners. That's why I do bar of the week at my show. And we do a lot of it at not for long media, just supporting that local business and those local people. So I spend a ton of time in Key West, Florida and doing all that stuff too. And I like called the three bars, the Sea View Inn in Cape May, New Jersey, which I grew up going to lunch with my dad there and that's our local bar in cape may it's a great spot two dollar beers on during birds games and all that stuff too it's Ooh. you're not finding that down the shore anymore the place is old school um and then i called the plumsteadville inn uh or excuse me the plumsteadville pub in uh, plumsteadville pa right outside of Doolstown. and i called shots and giggles in key west florida they're like the three places that mean a lot to me i know the owners in every bar my friends are all the bartenders so i was just you know extremely emotional and you know, my family's going crazy and I had people I knew in every bar calling me and putting me on speaker and everyone going nuts. You know, I think I just won a Super Bowl, but it was a, 
monumental moment from barely getting drafted in the NFA uh, XFL and barely going to the AAF and getting booted out of Florida because I broke my right foot and broke my left foot. So like, you know, it, it's emotional thing. And, you know, a little seven yard catch where I end up falling in the blue paint became was more than that. So I called those places, brought everybody around and it was the least I could do. So, you know, emotional thing for me, but it means a ton to me. And it's the least I could do for those people because they still have a lasting impact on my life. That's awesome. No, I mean, it's you can learn more from a guy on a bar stool who's like seven years old than you could on YouTube nowadays. Absolutely. At least about life anyway. You got to put your phone down and have a damn conversation. Happy hour is the greatest hour of the day. Why yeah, maybe not crypto and AI. You might not be learning much from him, but man, you can you learn about hey, life. Man, or- you never know who's sitting next to you at a bar stool. It could be worth a billion dollars. That's true. That's true. Hey, we uh, I don't know if you saw this. I, I, I know I sent over the link for you, so you're a little prepared for it. But the NFL Players Association sent out a report card for players. Um, Unreal. Do you remember if you took it or not? I took it. Yeah, I believe I took it at the end so, of the season. Yeah. So basically, the, the Players Association for the NFL sent out a report card for players so they could rank team facilities, you know, how they treated families, travel, all that stuff. We wanted to go over uh, the Panthers one. They came in 12th. Not bad. Eagles came in 14th. Uh, the last, obviously, I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised, was the uh, Washington Commies. Uh, a lot of Fs. A lot of Fs there. So, you know, uh, just think about it in your free agency plans. Uh, <laughs> I wish I have all those options. <laughs> um, so, Craig, if we can go down to the first one. The first one was the treatment of families. A, support of players' families ranked fourth. They offer a family room and daycare. Now, off the top of my head, I don't think you have a child. I do not, but that's true. Yeah, they do a great job. Maria is awesome. There's a big emphasis on it. Um, post, post my wife hosts area. Like, yeah, it's nice. And then the post game is like a whole little area that all the families come into. Like it was really well done. Snacks, like wristbands for people to get in. It was really smooth and really well done. They they that is that is a true grade. It should be a plus, not an A. Do guys hang out after the games or do a lot of them go home or do, will they get like some? Yeah, I think it depends. Like if you have like a bunch of family in town and you kind of want to show them a little bit of everything, like, yeah, come in and hang out, you know? And then if like you're like whatever, solo or you didn't play well or whatever, like it was really tough for me being honest this year, like being hurt and like when you're just not a part of it and like hanging out in the family room and it's like answering the same question, like, how are you feeling? I'm like, oh man, I want to get out of here and go home and watch the four yeah. o'clock game. You know, that was really hard for me. That was a challenge, just being honest. But my wife's in there and our friends be in town. My parents be in town. It's fun for them too. like they get to meet other families and my wife gets to hang with the other wives and their kids. And, you know, my wife and a couple of girls will put on a little pregame tailgate somewhere like Baker Mayfield's wife. She's a legend like Baker and her after every game. man, we'd be going to a different bar, catered food, hanging out with them. So like that was cool, man. I was bummed when he left and she left. They were they were friends of ours. Same with Christian and, and Olivia. They were great as well. You got to come up if the Eagles sign you. Let your oh, let your wife know. I'll be they nutty. do party buses here. Okay, those those wags know how to party at the Eagles. All right. If I be blessing, right? But that would just be a major problem. <laughs> I'd have to live somewhere. I had to live in like Delaware. Like I had to be. I'm you driving up. Down. I would drive up. I live in Lansdale. Shout out to Lansdale. Oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We we don't need any anymore. We don't need we don't need any more. Um, all right, Craig, can we go down one? Food service nutrition D. I think it was more because only thirty eight percent of the players say there's not not enough room for the cafeteria. Cafeteria pretty small. I mean, it is, but there's plenty of room. Like, that's the stuff I don't believe. Like, listen, they went above and beyond for us for food. That's why I disagree with this. Great, like 
Fridays and Saturdays at their practice, like set up tables in the locker room so, so we could all hang out and eat together. Like guys are eating in the weight room, like complete. I disagree with that grade. I don't believe what the guys are saying. And then you go in our meal room, there's plenty of seats. I'd eat with the tight ends in the tight end room. There were breakfast every morning, like watching film. So I don't know about that grade. I think it's not true. CJ Gardner Johnson, I don't know if you saw it. He did a, uh, a whole vlog. Like uh, He only released one episode of them going to the Super Bowl and everything. Dude, that setup in that cafeteria was amazing. They just went up to the guys. They all know each other and stuff. It's like, hey, can I get the usual and stuff? Dudes are getting omelets. Yeah. Dudes are getting yeah. That's potatoes. how it is. And then at the end of the year, everybody puts in like a kitty, right? And we like donate money. Not donate. We take money of our paychecks and we everybody tips out, you know, for equipment room and for training room and for, uh, you know, the meal room. So it's cool. You know, they get a big tip out of it. Some guys are giving a lot of money. Nice. Yeah, it's mm. cool. But I disagree uh, with that grade. That should be an A. They go above and beyond. They're, and they're, it's gotten better every year. Mr. Tepper, Coach Rule was huge on food. I'm sure Coach Wright will be as well, too. Like, every year they've gotten better. Kate, nutritionist, is a freaking rock star. Like, so I da- – and Tim. So, disagree with that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of the stuff bringing these grades down is real. Like, on the Eagles one, they they – uh, they just said there wasn't enough room for hot tubs or ice tubs or something. So it pulled them down to like a seat, like a, I don't know. Which I get to I mean, yeah, yeah. tight, but it's like, dude, get up like 15 minutes earlier and go in and get a spot. Like you yeah. just, I have that same problem in my house. Not enough room for hot tubs. <laughs> and, and ice, ice, ice tubs. What we got next, Craig, the weight, weight room. room, Jeremy Me. Scott, my boy, the strength coach, dude, Dude, let's see. Hundred percent feel they have enough strength coaches. Yeah, no shit. I, dude, this is a this is ridiculous. Like he's great. It should be an A. I'm gonna say a lot of really good things, guys. And I'm not like just blowing smoke because I played for the team and like I want to be back there. I'm just being frank. Like I've been around the block. I think the best strength coach you could have in the NFL strength coaches. I, I mean, Corey, Tom, Jeremy Scott, Altoff, Bellrose, like. Awesome. Like a million different ways to squat if your back hurts that day. A million different ways to bench. If you're like they they go above and beyond and they are communicative and awesome. So I'm sure they're bummed about this grade. And that's why I feel bad for them because they're gonna see this, right? But that's not a reflection of them. So they're an A. Do your strength coaches wear sleeves during the games? They do, but on Fridays, it's mandatory rip the sleeves off and shirts off for upper body Fridays, and it's like packed in there with everybody. It's kind of fun. We turn the music up, like everyone's in there. And then, of course, you start the year, and there's like 50 people, right? And then by the end of the year, there's like six of us in there. It's kind of like, all right, the holidays, I put a holiday five on. I'm going to keep my shirt on, guys. (laughs) Just um, guys guys being dudes, just shirts off. Oh, I love that. Hey, Jeremy was uh, Temple and Baylor. Correct. Temple, Baylor, Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. Strength coaches, back to this. A. So there you go. There's your boys. Oh, there you go. So, but what was that at? Weight room? B. I guess the B was for they didn't think there was enough to operate in the weight room. Like the weight room might be a little small. Yeah. I guess it's a little small. I mean, here's the thing I love our facility because everything was in one place and we're at the stadium. You know, sometimes when you're at a facility, it's like you're separated, you got a bus to the game. Like it's different. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely small. Is it, like, state-of-the-art, like the Bears' new facility? No. But, like, I don't know. Like, we always – I never was, like – someone was, like, in my way lifting, you know? So, I disagree. Colin, were you guys – All right, Craig, split, split couple more no. down. <laughs> Sorry, Coach. Hey, let's go. Jeremy's so jacked about that. He's going to tattoo it on his forehead. He'll be posting that on his Instagram later, Jeremy. You won't listen to this. Did, did you have to split anything with the new MLS team down there? 
No, like it, it would come in like and run on like the uh, we had like an anti gravity treadmill or whatever. Yeah, it wouldn't be like one guy on there, but it'd be like while we're in meetings, you know, I kind of have a protein shake. So, yeah, did we do this one yet? I crapped out a little bit. Xfinity's killing me right now because we just took them to task for the first t- 10 minutes of this show. Yeah, they're throttling um, his internet speed. <laughs> training room B minus players feel like they could use more space. They're also concerned about the pool room floors as they are slippery and many players have fallen. What's going on with the pool room down in Carolina? Wow. They're Colin. exposing the truth. Yeah, because Colin, you look at this. Some, uh, get some non-slip shoes that like children wear. So we all wear flops, right? Pretty much flip flops, Crocs, whatever. And if you're not, though, you're going to slip. This is this is like awkward for me because I don't want to ever do that. And they're like working on to change that for sure. What happened was the carpet got a little moldy. I can't believe we're talking about this. Publicly. I love this. I love working the inside scoop. Dude, steam room was sauna was great sauna you know is i mean they went above me on all like every year like coach rules like we got better 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 so it got better every year i think yeah the they either got to put some sand in the floors on the main level or like put a carpet down which was molded so they got to put a new carpet i can't believe we're talking about this but we're, kevin we're and his staff, the charlotte observer but kevin and his staff do a great job so <laughs> no yeah. yeah i'm now a source for the charlotte observer this is chaos under the carpet i can be myself on the show <laughs> that in the Sam Boner show, I can just absolutely be a debauchery. And then my show, I'm like, hello, and welcome back to another episode. I'm like, God, it's boring. <laughs> Training staff, this is an easy one. A plus hey, players Already very highly that. believe that they significantly add to their personal success. Let's go to the locker room there, Craig. B plus for the locker room. Overall positive review of the locker room as they've recently upgraded it as a good amount of room and they just installed a, a golf simulator. What are you playing? You're playing Pebble Beach before practice? Dude, you can, there's a, no, all the specialists are Jansen uh zane gonzalez eddie pinheiro and johnny hecker who's a my god what a legend that punter um yeah i mean they're all doing that you can like play dodgeball against somebody in there too like like against the simulator there's ping pong tables everywhere basketball hoop i'm pretty sure somewhere they brought a team barber and c-max guy who used to cut all the hair for the wake forest football team and like they're kind of he's on that show like the austin dillon racing show or whatever you could mm-hmm. see his show on there he's like semi C-Mac kind of made him famous, and the NASCAR guys made him famous. But he's in there like twice a week. They bring other barbers. Yeah, it's a great locker room. Um, back, who's the best golfer on the team? Ooh, Andre Roberts is pretty damn good. The returner, scratch. Uh, Brady Christensen's a good golfer, the old lineman. I think our team's unique because a lot of teams – I shouldn't say our team, team I was on. Um, They – there's like – usually it's like position groups. Like quarterback's good. Sammy Darnold's good. Or like, you know, it's like all the specialists and a quarterback. But our team, we have like good O linemen. There's some good D linemen. There's a good corner. There's a good wideout. So good diversity. I could play a little bit, but I'll hit like three shots where I should be on the PGA Tour, and the rest of the day I'm in the woods. So, yeah. I have a question about <clears throat> about this one because the Eagles had the same kind of thing with like the cl- complaining about the amount of first class seats that they were on travel. Mm-hmm. I, these are chartered flights though i mean right so is is yep. there not are, but they're regular planes yeah they'll have like a larger first class so you can fit like the o-line in there and like the veterans in there um yeah so i only sat first for one game atlanta which was a bummer it was like a 25 minute flight uh, <laughs> so <laughs> go enjoy yeah i was playing more and they bumped me up because of that couple of vets were hurt right so like the guys that don't travel or like one of the vets is not playing he'll be like no give up my seat i'll sit in an exit row or whatever mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, I mean, I heard like Jacksonville, they're probably A. Every seat's first class, I'm pretty sure. Damn, really? Yeah, no roommates. Yeah, B, B, B plus grades. Like, that's really, I mean, they're great. So it's, it's funny because the Eagles are one of eight teams that don't offer first class seats. What do you mean? Yeah. The coach is sitting them probably. That's wild. And then the players, I mean, you have spacious room. Like, listen, you got two seats to yourself. Like, it's not like oh, it's for a, real? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So it's like a 2-4-2 two, two plane, right? Two seats on the outsides and then four in the middle. So there'll be like four people sitting in that row. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. What's, oh, the, what's, the, what's the seniority factor? Is it mostly veterans, coaches? Like, you know, big, big first round pick comes in, you know. He's in the he back. First- He's in wow. the back. Rookies are rookies are in the back. It's funny, like you kind of see like the guys like me. They were like the veterans who don't have who like don't have a ton of credited seasons. That goes back to it too, because they could be like thirty years old and like me, twenty nine, and only have like two credited seasons. So like you'll look around. Uh, it'll it's usually start from the front. It's like the the biggest vet, and then it'll be like the O lines up there. Tight ends are veteran, like the starting tight ends up there, and then if you work backwards, it's like. Coaches are between us in like the first seat on the plane, right? The bulkhead and the normal seats, right? And then it goes back from there. And then the backpacks, like trainers, video people, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're piled in like sardines back there. Our flight's fun. I Blast. mean, after a win. Yeah. Oh, people are playing cards. Oh, yeah. It's a good time. Or you're sleeping or whatever you're doing. It's, it's, it's after a win. When we beat Seattle, man, that was a blast. Like that was a huge win for us at Seattle. That was a great flight back. Hmm. Hmm. All right. I mean, yeah, you see what the Vikings are doing. Look at Kirk Cousins. He's shirtless with a with a chain around his neck. True. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Mm. Um, all right. Well, hey, man. Good luck with everything in free agency. If you want to break any news and come out on the podcast, you let us know. I'm sure okay. you you have a media uh, wing of your own how, company that you probably want to do. How much would that be, though? I go on my own show to break my news. <laughs> Hello, folks. <laughs> I'll be trying out today for blank. Let me get. Let you me see how many. Let me see how many views I can get. You can see. You can have Jack set you up. You can have producer Jack. Oh, by the way, Con, I meant to ask you. Like any news on the NFL front? Uh, oh, oh, oh yeah. actually, Mac <laughs> <laughs> will be Mac will be shaking. Like uh, uh, Colin, who are you going with? <laughs> check out Colin's podcast man you've had some some guests man you had Chef D on you had Jordan Schultz uh I think you just had a you had a chiropractor on he's got like 12,000 followers so he's doing something right on Instagram I try to mix it up man I try to have I want to have you guys on my show like together we'll do a just a crossing rod we'll do that here soon maybe we'll do it right before the draft and um <clears throat> yeah I try to just I don't know I don't know I try to be different and do what I like it's you know then you're not working you know, do what you like, like. Sometimes hey. you gotta like have these big football guys on that I like don't know, and it's like, tell me about your route running. Like, I don't, I, who cares about that? Like, <laughs> you can go to ESPN for that. Let's just chop it up, have some fun. I don't do any prep. I try not to. Like, let's just have yeah. fun. But the Sam yeah. Boner show has been wild too. That's been chaos. Well, yeah, that's another one. If you if you like food around the Cheese area, up, baby. If you like food, I've never Sam boned. Kevin, you ever Sam boned? What is your problem? I know, I, I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's a fine. I still don't know what that word means. I'll have to go back and watch the episode that we did. <laughs> it's all right. Dude, yeah. you guys have to have Nick on. We had Nick on. He was we, on. Yeah, you did. You told me. I knew that. I knew that. About a yeah, few I'm sure ago. he did. Yeah, right that. off the top of your head. That was yeah, the he, first question is what does Sam Boner mean? And I, now I can't I remember what it actually means. I don't, think it meant, I don't think it meant anything at all, actually. No, the guy's an electric factory. 
just your your love your love for sandwiches and your love for rating sandwiches. So, well, Colin, man, good luck with everything, and uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you down the line. Huge fans of the show. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. You got anything else, big dog? No, should we go to the Charlotte Observer with the, about the moldy carpets? Yes. yes, we will go to the Charlotte Observer with everything that Colin Thompson said. <laughs> there are mold. There is mold under the carpets of the yeah. Carolina Panthers swimming facility. Yeah, according to the Crossing broadcast show with Kyle Pagan and yeah. Kevin, Kevin Kinkhead. Uh, How long would that morph into? That's why uh, McCaffrey got hurt that one year. <laughs> that's why you're his hamstring yeah uh, charlotte charlotte sports rate did christian mccaffrey slip on the moldy carpets in the, the hot tub room <laughs> which was too small according to yeah. the player survey you know this, this is a great investigation going right here it was really good i Holy was i was shit. really uh, good job from the nflpa and stuff it was it was yeah. pretty interesting to see the day-to-day and the inside yeah. uh i didn't know they uh, didn't have i didn't i thought everything was first class on those planes because yeah. i thought they had the teams had their own planes i guess they do but well, that's why the C.J. Gardner-Johnson vlog was so good because he had footage of them on the plane. And, like, Miles Sanders is sitting in, like, the second row. He's got, like Colin said, a seat between him and everything. But, like, think of, like, yeah. Jordan Mailata, who, like, has no first-class, first, first class like, room and stuff. Crazy. You have two seats, don't get me wrong, but two seats for a 6'8 guy. I had two seats for, for me on a plane one time. I'm only 6'5", and I'm, you know, 200. That's a guy that's three inches taller, 100 and some pounds heavier, man, like, that hurts. Well, I heard that, that CJ Gardner Johnson deleted the vlog and told the pilot that they didn't give him, put him in a position to make a play. <laughs> it's the best vlog of uh, CJ Johnson's career, too, which is crazy. <laughs> the only one, right? Yeah. Right, no. Oh, man. All right. Well, this was good fun. Show. A lot of, a lot of yeah, show. Good. yeah. No, that'd be oh, great. great. We'll have to do a crossover. We'll have to do a crossing broadcast. Uh, home and home. And uh, yeah, a crossover. Um, crossover experience with that that'll be fun yeah yeah we got a couple dipshits on the show today kevin and kyle from crossing yeah, yeah, exactly um all right well i don't think i have anything else no yeah, um, good show good yeah show. well uh thanks we'll to craig yeah. well yeah thanks to, yo how awesome was that he was absolutely bullying craig during the film session craig pause it here craig go craig here. did a great craig. job though yeah i thought craig yeah. was fantastic i think uh, if if i had an nfl pa report card for craig i'd go b minus yeah, I think Craig's got a future as the uh, Eagles video guy. Yeah. <laughs> Craig getting taken to task by yeah. Nick Sirianni for not yeah. stopping it on the dot with his yeah, little. I told you to edit the. Com- I told you to edit the commercials out of this video. <laughs> B minus from Craig. We need Craig to pick it up. I give Craig um, an A plus. Craig just pulled up right. the Kugan on Shaman right, uh, as Kevin Kincaid. So. Uh, Oh, man, Q Gannon, Q Gannon. Okay, anyway, uh, we will see you on Tuesday. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Thank you to Colin Thompson. Thank you to Ant Sanfilippo to come on. Thank you to Craig for his B-minus work behind the scenes. Uh, Kevin, thank you. Thank you to, most importantly, the listener and the commenters. We will talk to you on Tuesday.